book of Job. I'd like to speak to you tonight on the subject of our unsearchable God. Our unsearchable God. There's much about the nature and ways of God that remain a mystery, even to believers, even to believers that are well-versed in the Scripture. In fact, we can say that he is infinitely mysterious. God is infinitely mysterious. If you take all of what is revealed in the scriptures and in our conscience and in creation concerning God, still there is an infinite amount of things yet unknown to us concerning God. That has to be the case because of his nature. There is still an infinite amount of things yet unknown to us concerning God. This does not deny the wealth of truth and reliable information God has given us concerning himself in the scriptures and especially in Christ. In fact, it is only stating what he has told us many times in his own word. He is unsearchable. Unfathomable past finding out. So what I want to do this evening is look at some of these scriptures that talk about this. Let's pray once more before we go on. Father, we ask that you would speak to us tonight from your word as we look at these scriptures concerning your nature and your work. Help us to just uh, be able to draw back and Again, stand in awe of the God that we worship. Have mercy upon us now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Job chapter 5. This is one of these people that were talking to Job, Eliphaz. And... He tells us something concerning God. He says in chapter 5, verse 9, speaking of God, who does great and unsearchable things, wonders without number. Let's just start with verse 8. But as for me, I would seek God, and I would place my cause before him, who does great and unsearchable things, Wonders without number. Much of what God does in His creation all around us is unsearchable. Our scientific endeavors are aimed at understanding His works. That's what science is trying to do. Science, you know, is another word for knowledge. Trying to learn, search out, 
things from God's world, the wonders without number. So science is aiming at understanding his works. But our knowledge is so limited and so incomplete. An endeavor, science's endeavor that is a never-ending pursuit of knowledge. Why is that? That's because what God does is unsearchable. Now I want to give you an example. Think of the living, a living cell. At one time, cells were unknown. People didn't even know there was such a thing as little living cells that made up all living things. Then science, with the aid of a simple microscope, began to realize that cells were important building blocks of life, just little blobs that were there that were important. They were part of all living things. But basically, they considered them quite simple structures. As knowledge advanced, we began to realize that the cell was quite complex. In 1953, when Watson and Crick discovered the amazing structure of the DNA double helix, we thought, well, now mankind is really understanding the cell. But year by year, we're finding more and more amazing and complex design in even the simplest of cells. Let me just read a little something here to you. This is from uh, Michael Behe's book, Darwin's Black Box. He says, the simplicity that was once expected to, do, to be the foundation of life has prove, proven to be a phantom. Instead, systems of horrendous, irreducible complexity inhabit the cell. Then he goes on to explain, we find that at the smallest possible level, living things are packed with complex machinery. To grasp the reality of life as it has been revealed by molecular biology, we must magnify a cell thousands of millions of times until it is 20 kilometers in diameter and resembles a giant airship large enough to cover a giant city like the city of London or New York. So he says, just take one cell, expand it out so it's as big as a city. Well, you think, well, there's just not going to be much there. It's just a cell. He says, no, it is filled with incredible complexity. What we would see then would be an object of unparalleled complexity and adaptive design. On the surface of the cell, we would see millions of openings like the portholes of a vast spaceship opening and closing to allow a continual stream of materials to flow in and out. If we were to enter one of these openings, we would find ourselves in a world of supreme technology and bewildering complexity. What he's saying is that you would have a whole city uh, of of, uh, uh, things going on and structures that are important to the the, uh, the reproduction and development of a cell and then the the living um, thing that it's part of. So what I'm saying is, is as we learn more, we see more of how complex the cell is. Now, the question I'd ask us here tonight is, do we think we'll ever get to the place where we can say 
now we know all there is to know about a cell. That won't happen. The more we learn, the more we find out we don't know. You know why that is? Because God's ways are unsearchable. He made it that way. You just, you, you just keep digging and digging and you'll find there's more and more to know. God has designed his creation so that it is unsearchable. There will always be more to know about anything you study. One hundred years from now, what we know about the cell right now will seem primitive and superficial if we last that long. We'll think that was, that was so superficial, we hardly knew anything about the cell. And that's the way it is with all of God's unsearchable works. Job said it himself. This, uh, what we read here, um, was one of Job's uh, counselors. Uh, But Job said it himself in Job chapter 9, verse 10. Very similar statement. Um, Job chapter 9 and verse 10. Speaking of God, again here, the one who made the bear, Orion, and the Pleiades, and the chambers of the south, those are constellations in the sky, he says, who does great things unfathomable? It's just another way of saying unsearchable, unfathomable, and wondrous works without number. Very similar to what uh, has already been said. Wondrous works without number, unfathomable are his ways. So, um, not only is each wondrous work unfathomable, that means you'll never get to the bottom of them, not any one of them. Um, These wondrous works are without number. It's not just like there's one thing that we could keep digging on. There's numberless things that you can keep digging on and never get to the bottom of. There's a whole universe of those kind of things. There are always more things to study. God has designed the universe to show us how finite and ignorant we are and how great and wise he is. If we cannot fathom his creation, certainly we cannot fathom his nature and thoughts That is what he's really like. So his ways are unsearchable, but so is he in his nature and in his his thoughts. Uh, Job 36, 26. Job 36, 26. Behold, God is exalted... And we do not know. The word him is added there. And we do not know him. The number of his years is unsearchable. When we speak of God's endless existence, his eternal power and divine nature, we know that they are realities. God's put that on everyone's heart. That's what Romans 1 tells us. But we can't search these things out. He is exalted, and we just do not know. That's what it says here uh, in this uh, verse 26. 
we do not know. God's exalted, and we do not know. We don't know the number of his years. That's unsearchable. <clears throat> now, I want to take a little aside here to kind of bring this home. One famous scientist, Johann Kepler, said that he saw the work of the scientist as, quote, thinking God's thoughts after him. And that is often quoted as a commendable view of the scientific endeavor. And in one sense it is. We are creatures made in God's image, and we're made that way so that we can rationally investigate the ordered universe that he's designed. In that sense, we think God thought, God's thoughts after him. As we do this, we understand more of the glory and greatness of God. Science, that is, again, knowledge, would be impossible if this were a chance universe that we were trying to investigate with a chance-produced thought in our chance-produced brains. We just wouldn't come up with anything. Uh, but that's not the way God's designed things. He's designed it in a way that there's a rational universe made by a rational God who made rational creatures to understand that rational universe. So in that sense, what Kepler was saying, I believe, is right. We are and can thank God's thoughts after him. But in another way, I say that uh, I think this is, uh, can lend itself to far to being a far too exalted view of mankind's capacities to think God's thoughts after him. Why do I say that? Well, think about this for a little bit. God has perfect knowledge of everything. We have perfect knowledge of nothing. Are you going to think God's thoughts after him? God never learns anything or forgets anything. We are slow to learn and quick to forget. Are we going to think God's thoughts after him? God never errs or changes his mind or overlooks anything. We make mistakes, change our mind, and overlook many things. Are we going to think God's thoughts after him? God can and does think about all things at once. Think about that. <laughs> Knowing how all things past, present, and future relate to each other. I think it is right to say that he's only had one thought and that thought encompassed everything. Are you going to think God's thoughts after him? Our knowledge is nothing in regard to the vastness of his knowledge and understanding. Now, Kepler was a professing Christian and sought to honor God in his scientific endeavors, but it must be said that only in a very limited sense can we think God's thoughts after him. Psalm 147.5 says, Great is the Lord and abundant in strength. His understanding is infinite. Are you going to think God's thoughts after him? His understanding is infinite. Ours is finite, fallen, and fallible. If the finite could understand the infinite, it would not be finite. You see? It wouldn't be finite anymore if you could understand the infinite. 
You're not thinking, you're just not thinking God's thoughts after him. Psalm 145, verse 3. Why don't we turn to that one? Great is the Lord and highly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. We're talking about our unsearchable God. His greatness is unsearchable. When we consider God in his nature and works, it is fitting that our minds should be overwhelmed. That's the way it should be. If it's not that way, there's something wrong. His greatness, you see, is unsearchable. Often we speak of him far too lightly, too glibly, as if we really comprehended God. The fact is that our thoughts of him should stagger at his greatness because his greatness is unsearchable. His is an infinite greatness beyond what we can think or comprehend. Well, those are some some Old Testament verses, but let's turn to the New Testament. And we'll just go briefly to Romans chapter 11 because Charles has spoken on that not too long ago. Romans chapter 11, verse 33. <clears throat> oh, the depths of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and unfathomable his ways. God's ways and judgments are unsearchable. They're unfathomable. You're not going to get to the bottom of them. That means, what's that mean? That means we can't figure out, often anyway, we can't figure out what God is doing and why he does what he does. Just as the scientist is limited in his grasp of God's works in creation, so we are limited in our comprehension of his work in our lives and in the world around us. It's very limited. He explains much much to us in his word, but there is much that is yet mystery. We can't see the big picture often of what he's doing. His works of providence are largely hidden from us. The idea that we should be able to say what God is doing in a specific event in world history is not biblical. There's all kinds of books written like this, and it's just wrong. God's never told us that we're going to be able to figure everything out and say, now, this happened because of this, and this this world event shows us this. And, and this is what God's saying to us in this. <laughs> a lot of those things, uh, you're just not going to be able to figure out. How, 
how unsearchable are his judgments and unfathomable his ways. What's God doing in that? Most of the time, we just have to say, I don't know. Isaiah, well, I'll just turn to this. Isaiah 55, (coughs) verse 8 and 9, you know this verse. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. God's thoughts and ways are many times beyond our comprehension and often different than anything we'd come up with on our own. His thoughts are his thoughts. They're his own thoughts. We may know only those which he has chosen to express in his word and reveal by his spirit. Nevertheless, after saying all that, we still have to say that Jesus said eternal life is to know God the Father and Jesus Christ whom he has sent. This unsearchable, unfathomable God must be known by us or we will not have eternal life. That's what Jesus said. Well, how do you reconcile the two? Well, I think part of the answer is in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Begin with verse 9. Just as it is written, things which eye has not seen or ears not heard and which have not entered into the heart of man, all that God has prepared for those who love him. For to us God revealed them through the Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the spirit of man which is in him? Even so, the thoughts of God are not are the thoughts of God. No one knows except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might know the things freely given to us by God. Which things we also speak not in words taught by human wisdom, wisdom, but in those taught by the Spirit, combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. But a natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. He cannot understand them because they are spiritually appraised. But he who is spiritual appraises all things, yet he himself is appraised by no man. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he should instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. As Christians, we have the mind of Christ. Does that mean we understand everything? No. What that means is that in Christ, God will teach us what we need to know. We're told in Colossians that in him, that is in Christ, are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And God brings out those treasures as we need them. They're hidden there, and God brings them out as he sees fit in our lives. But I I say again, that still leaves much that is now unsearchable even in what he has done for us in Christ. 
Let's turn to Ephesians chapter 3. And verse 8. Paul, talking about his ministry here, says, To me, the very least of all saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unfathomable riches of Christ. The unfathomable riches of Christ. What God has done in Christ for us is beyond what we can comprehend. Our blessings in Christ are too deep to be measured. We'll never get to the bottom of what God has done for us in Christ. Now I can name some of these things and I'll just name a few of them here. We were foreknown in Christ. We were elected in Christ. We were chosen in Christ. We were called in Christ. We were justified in Christ. We were reconciled in Christ. We were redeemed in Christ, forgiven in Christ. Our sins were removed in Christ. We were adopted in Christ. We were sealed by His Spirit. We were freed from the law. We were made children of God, made acceptable to God, perfected and accepted, brought near to God, delivered from darkness, translated into the kingdom of Christ, made part of a royal priesthood, a holy nation, made heavenly citizens, made part of God's family. We were given possession of every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. And that's just to name a few. And even the ones I name, we don't understand very well. We just have a little bit of understanding of what those mean. And there's lots more that is hidden in Christ for us that wasn't named and probably not even presented to us in the Scriptures. I'm saying, again, we'll never get to the bottom of what God has done for us in Christ. After ages upon ages in heaven, still the riches of Christ will not be searched out by any one of us. What we've been given in Christ is inexhaustible, inscrutable, incalculable, far beyond measure. So even in the fuller and final revelation of God in Christ, we still must say there are things yet unsearchable, unfathomable, past finding out. Things that we will have eternity to experience and explore. So we are looking at our unsearchable God. Why don't we pray? Father, help us to not think we know more than we know and help us to remember how small our understanding really is 
compared to who we're dealing with and what we're talking about when we talk about what you've done for us in Christ. Pray, Father, that you'd help us to be aware of our fallenness and our our finite understanding of things. And uh, help us, Lord, to seek you more and more, to know more, to dig in more to these treasures that are hidden in Christ. We just uh, ask that you keep our thinking in its proper place. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.